0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Well, I'm I'm back in the studio, glad to be back here, and I'm especially glad to be back here with my old friend, John Tamney, um, who's both brilliant and maybe the one of the most contrarian men I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And John's back with a new book uh, and talk on one of my favorite topics, which is money. Uh, It's called The Money Confusion, how illiteracy about currencies and inflation sets the stage for a crypto revolution and it's a highly recommended book it builds on a lot of john's earlier works on on the fed most notably his book who needs the fed which means federal reserve which uh is all features prominently in today's headlines uh, but maybe it shouldn't so anyway i want to jump right into this john welcome thanks for having me so uh what are we confused about with money i mean i thought We just need more of it i'm not (laughs) kidding no and it's becoming worthless (laughs) isn't that true
1: see you've lived it and so you know but i think you know as a financier what the main theme of this book is is that it doesn't matter where you are you could be in a pow camp a city a prison money or a country money always emerges a measure of value that allows us to trade with each other always emerges and it does simply because we want to get in return for our work. And so it's my way of saying, stop focusing on what the Fed does and money supply and all these things. In any world, money will always be properly supplied so long as there's production to move around.
0: So is this a policy question or is it a personal question? I mean, we day-to-day those of us that are you know going into the grocery store and and buying things now that cost uh, 10 15 20 percent more than uh the a year ago it's not it's not really an, you know i'm confused i mean mm-hmm. I, I would like to know what you think some of the root causes are for the fact that our money seems to be worth a lot less
1: well isn't it interesting there so we notice when we go to the grocery store or a restaurant as an example that a lot of things are more expensive undeniably but at the same time inventories are at a record level right now dell has too much nike has too much there are all sorts of businesses that overproduced or or, or added what, what the market doesn't want right now and so when you look at prices almost by definition if prices are rising for certain goods they're falling for other goods and the reason for that is basic if you have hundred dollars and you're spending fifty dollars on groceries when you used to spend twenty you have fewer dollars to buy other things, and so undeniably some prices are higher. But I reject that as inflation. Inflation is a devaluation.
0: Well, John, you may be right in theory, but all the stuff we buy in the grocery store is what we really need. I don't need another Dell computer, and I don't care whether their inventories are high. I mean, what what's driving the inflation in the, in, in the supermarket?
1: What's, but let's call it what it is, and we, we've talked about this on, on your show before. Two years ago, the global economy, to varying degrees, was shut down, uh, as in it was suddenly illegal to open your business, it was suddenly illegal to go into work.
0: March 2020.
1: March 2020, in, in poorer parts of the world, hundreds of millions were literally rushing towards starvation because suddenly they could no longer work. That prices are higher today as a consequence of an evisceration of this global cooperation, is to me a statement of the obvious. My concern is when we call it inflation, we're saying, oh, the Fed did this. No, 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 no. Yeah, Politicians the- robbed us of our freedom. <laughs> they love us to talk about some other, the Fed. No, let's keep the focus on who robbed us of our freedom around the well, world.
0: But, but, John, you're saying things that, 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 you know, Rachel Maddow is telling us that, or, or Who's the other woman on on MSNBC, whatever one is telling Republicans made up the word inflation. There is no inflation. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying?
1: I am saying that. (laughs) Rachel Maddow does not know why there's not inflation. I don't agree. (laughs) There are higher prices. There's an ocean of difference between higher prices okay, and Okay, so inflation. we're talking
0: about a technical definition. You're not, you don't want to call it inflation. What should we call it? That people I want to call more. it a
1: robbing of freedom. I want to call it what it is. They locked us down, and in locking us down, <clears throat> they broke up cooperation around the world among billions of workers that was logically going to lead to higher prices. Let's just use one, one example that I use in the book. Adam Smith walks into a pin factory in the 18th century and sees that one man working alone could maybe, maybe produce one pin per day, but several men working together could produce tens of thousands. And so what does that tell us? When we're working together, we're working more productively and we're gradually pushing down the price of everything. Is that deflation? No, that's just productivity. When you break up that cooperation among billions of workers, of course prices are going to be higher, but let's keep the focus on politicians who broke it up, not on central banks. The dollar is stronger today against the euro, the yen, the pound, the yuan. It's rising against gold, the most objective indicator, this, which means this would be the first inflation in the history of mankind in which the dollar wasn't in freefall or wasn't in decline.
0: Well... I'm not so sure that if you're the average American, you much care. I mean, what you care is that you can't buy what you could buy last year. And, you know, by one count, I had Jeffrey Tucker on here last week. And, you know, if you take a look at the dollar value of the inflation now versus a year ago, Americans are about eight and a half thousand dollars poor in terms of what their money can buy. Mm -hmm. So look,
1: it's a fair. That's real. That's real. It's very real but let's talk about why this is. If, if it's the Fed, why is, inf- is, quote, inflation at record levels around the world? Why is this a global concept?
0: Well, but inflation is, is at record levels in Europe.
1: Yeah, and it's, it, it's, in, it's at record levels in all parts of the world. Is that inflation, or did we lock down? And so, again, I'm not den- to deny that a lot of goods and services are more expensive would be foolhardy. I'm not here to deny that. I'm here to question the causes. Uh, You cannot break up global cooperation and expect prices to remain the same. And so to me, let's keep the focus, and I've said this to Jeffrey several times, why are you walking away from what you've worked so diligently on for two years? You know what the lockdowns did. Do you really expect prices not to be higher today? And so why would you make this about the Fed?
0: I don't think, does Jeffrey make it about the Fed? He does. Well, he's not here to defend himself, so we'll take, I'll defend him. Actually, I don't want to quite defend him on the Fed, but I think what you're saying is something I believe, is that what happened in March of 2020 and continued for a year, year and a half, and still hasn't really abated, is the government's here and everywhere. Here, federal, state, local, whatever authorities there were, locked down the economy they declared certain businesses essential mm-hmm. and other businesses essential. And, I, you know, it's, uh, it went so far as the governor of Michigan declared one part of Home Depot essential and another part non-essential. I mean, who are these people that can, mm-hmm. they can decide that? And in doing that, they basically broke the economy. Mm-hmm. They broke the supply chain. They broke the set of relationships that have been built up uh, um, organically. Over decades, if not longer, and you can't put that back together.
1: Can't put it back together over. And time. that's
0: your that's your culprit for for prices being higher. Yes. But you're not calling it inflation.
1: No, inflation's a devaluation of the unit. To call higher prices inflation is like saying that red wet sidewalks cause rain. It reverses causation. With inflation, the devaluation— Did I
0: say you were a contrarian when we opened yes, the show? Yes, and I okay, am. Okay, we're going to get to the bottom and of this. This is one of
1: those things that I am very much alone on, and so I appreciate yes, the you chance, chance to make an opposite case. And so here we are. Okay.
0: So, uh, but what about this? We had incredible fiscal, and I believe mistaken, responses to this, starting with Trump. In 2020, we shoved trillions of dollars out for stabilizing the economy, sent people payments, they had more money, most of them saved the money, and so we sho- we shoved, including the most recent bills, something like six to seven trillion dollars out, and the Fed financed that, and they financed it by monetizing it, which is basically they bought up the the bonds to pay for it. They didn't raise taxes, but the But so instead of getting taxes, we got inflation. And you're saying that that is not driving uh, the rising prices?
1: No, because all demand begins with supply. And to believe that the Fed financed it, that begs the question, why isn't the Soviet Union still here? If all it takes is just to institute a central bank to buy the debt of governments, why didn't Gazbank just buy up Russian debt and keep the Soviet Union afloat? Well, it couldn't because no one accepted rubles. The notion that the Fed, a creation of Congress, can finance Congress is a little bit odd, isn't it? I mean, if it were true, why doesn't Haiti have lots of government spending? Just start a central bank.
0: John, walk me through it. This doesn't, you're, you're I'm, look, I used to be an accounting major and, I'm try, and I used to teach accounting and I'm trying to work through the math here. Congress showed $7 trillion out the door Where'd that money come from?
1: It came from rich people like you. I'm they didn't sorry. raise my taxes. Doesn't matter. Not yet. They don't need to raise your taxes as long as. How did it come from me? As long as you you pay, you pay a lot of taxes, don't you? Does, we've had Stephen, we've talked about Stephen Schwarzman. But Schwarz we paid
0: now. for it with a rising deficit. We didn't pay for it through through taxes yeah, that paid for they it.
1: they borrow it from some, the, the rest of the, the whole world wants to buy U.S. debt because we're the, the American people are the most productive people yeah, but on Earth. Yeah, the Treasury
0: has been buying most of the debt. Implicit,
1: but... Or not, the, the Fed has been buying most of the debt. But the Fed is just an arm of Treasury. To pretend that the Fed can, can finance actual demand doesn't doesn't stand up
0: to reality. Now think, wouldn't John, it I want to know how we got the $7 trillion we, we shoved out. The, 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 the checks went out of the Treasury. They went to people's houses. Mm-hmm. They put them in the bank. Where would that money come from?
1: It came from productive people. <laughs> where, where else would it come from?
0: I'm not following the chain. Well,
1: why didn't Great Britain spend $7 trillion? Why didn't France spend $7 trillion? If it's as simple as printing money, why didn't other governments do it? The Fed can only buy debt insofar as demand around the world for U.S. debt is pretty vast. Uh, where did the money come from? It came from the most productive people on earth. Um, if, it, if it hadn't, then every government would have subsidized lockdowns forever. Uh, modern monetary theory would be real. But in fact, it's not. There's got to be production first. And so there's this idea out there, well, the, they handed trillions of dollars to people and they went out and spent it well, how about I go up to your wallet upstairs and take out $100 and go spend it? Okay, I would go increase demand in Chevy Chase, but you would have $100 less to spend. Well,
0: okay, this is the Bill Walton Show, and I'm talking with the very contrarian, and I think wrong in this case, John Tamney, about whether there's not inflation and whether the Fed financed our spending. You say no. How could it? Who, 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 who else is in your camp? I'm interested. I want to get the I'm, I need to be outnumbered here.
1: Um, who else is in my camp? I can't find too many. But <laughs> let's, just, let's just
0: ask <laughs> okay. the question.
1: It do really doesn't mean you're, you're wrong. wrong. Okay. It just
0: means you're lonely. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I love being lonely. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm quite happy with that. Again, if central banks that are a creation of government can finance government— well, Why? they can
0: they can only up to a point. Well, but
1: but that's important. I mean, let's think about this. So Russia in total, its total debt is 190 billion, total. Ours is 30 trillion. Is that because Vladimir Putin is secretly a classical thinker who recognizes that government spending is a tax? Is that because he lacks a central bank that would do his bidding? No, it's because he lacks a
0: reserve currency. Why does he lack because, a reserve you know, currency? Because everybody's denominating all the transactions in the world in the dollar. Why are they Which doing gives that? us the ability to, to float the float debt that Russia can't.
1: Well, then why did if, if that's true? Why were interest rates on treasuries so high in the 1970s? If we can just create dollars and and the whole world wants them, but we know throughout history that when we have bad policy, when we have inflationary policy, what we see is that the is that the debt the cost of raising debt rises. We haven't seen that much this time. It's it's certainly higher. Now, but again, if central banks can just finance this, uh, Vladimir
0: Putin... We're saying something different. I'm not saying what they can do is sustainable. I'm saying what they can do is they can do it for a while before the game we've is We've been up. doing
1: it for decades. Well, so But, but we,
0: we've gone from $10 trillion to $30 trillion in about uh, seven or eight years. I think we're really pushing the... Uh, the accelerator in a way that's not sustainable.
1: You could be right, and the markets will tell no, us. I,
0: I that. am right, and the markets will tell us.
1: Okay, but can we agree that the market we've, that that prediction has been being made for decades? All of my life, I've heard we're going to hit the point that the world's going to stop buying the debt hasn't happened yet, and so to and I'm just saying. <clears throat> Vladimir Putin, does he have more control over his, his underlings than Joe Biden or Donald Trump?
0: Different economies, different currencies.
1: Precisely. It's the fact that we've got the, the greatest economy on earth that, of course, people are going to buy our debt. But that's not inflation. For a while. Uh, sure. Yeah. Governments can choose socialism. As George Gilder, someone who does, there, there's someone who agrees with me that this is not inflation. Governments can choose socialism and hand off and basically devalue on the people. But are markets that stupid? Um, Would you buy debt knowing that they're going to devalue the income streams from it? Would you just say, oh, well, the US is is gonna devalue soon, and I don't think you would. Uh, These are the deepest markets in the world. Um, It implies serious information asymmetry that, that somehow everyone knows that the debt's going to cause inflation. Well, why does the world line up to buy our debt if that's true? And to be fair, the Chinese own a lot of our debt. The Japanese own a lot of our debt. Why would they do that if we, if we just inflated it away?
0: Well, I'm saying that is true up to a point. And then at that point, things people change their minds. One of the things is the dollar is the one-eyed man in a kingdom of blind men. I mean, there are no other currencies right now that really are as ubiquitous as the dollar or is backed by a, an economy as large as the dollar. You've got China. I, I would make your argument a little differently. Uh, why isn't China reserve currency?
1: It may it may someday be because the people. Econ-
0: China's economy is as large as ours. It seems to me like Nowhere with your argument th- that we ought to be buying one.
1: Uh, eventually, we probably will. But let to be fair, their economy is not nearly <clears throat> as large as ours, and and it's certainly on a per capita well, well, basis. But uh, but you just explained why the world buys our debt. Yeah, we've got the largest economy in the world. Would, would, would the U.S. have $30 trillion in debt if our economy was the size of Italy's? I think we know the answer. And so, of course, we have lots of debt. We're a rich country. If we weren't, we wouldn't have that much debt. And over time, I imagine that the, the, the Chinese will. Let's look at Japan. Uh, have they run up massive amounts of debt over the last several decades? Yet during that time, the yen has largely crushed the dollar. Inflation, actually the opposite of it. Uh, the yen during parts of that time literally qu- tripled versus gold. Um, inflationary, no. Did it cause prices to rise in Japan? Certainly not.
0: Well, Japan's economy has been flatlined for about 10 years. I mean, I'd hardly use Japan as an example of somebody we ought to emulate.
1: I, I'm, not, I'm not saying let's emulate, but what I am saying is if government spending causes inflation, why hasn't it happened in the countries that are spending the most where's the the inflation been in japan
0: so what you're saying is we can continue to shovel out trillions of dollars from the fed write checks and you're saying the fed's not financing it so it doesn't matter i'm still not sure where the money comes from what what what's what's going to stop this why don't we do 60 trillion well for one, I'm not
1: saying that. I think government spending's a bad tax.
0: Well, that's a different argument. Yeah. But, but, but I, I think it's it, a, a good argument.
1: It, but it's it's a mm-hmm. crucial argument. Yeah. And my point is, let's assume let, let's let, let's assume that the Fed's abolished tomorrow. Do you think that suddenly currency devaluations will end? Will bad bank regulation end? Will government cease trying to manipulate well, see, interest I, rates? I
0: think I'd like to get rid of the Fed today. Because if the Fed weren't there, the Treasury couldn't issue all that money and have it paid for by the Fed. But it could. You think that they wouldn't create a, The Fed is a creation
1: of Treasury. You think they couldn't create a, a different bureaucracy between breakfast and lunch that would buy up the debt? I mean, that's simple. Imagine if the Fed's not there. You think that the rest of the world wouldn't continue to buy up U.S. debt, the debt of the most productive people on Earth? I mean why is it that that Great Britain Japan China own so much of our debt because they like us? But no they feel that we're good for it. And conversely why does Russia have so little debt because no one trusts So but
0: John what, where are you going with this? What's the policy implication?
1: The policy implication is that government spending is bad. And and of course it's a, it's a tax on growth. The policy implication is stop focusing on the central bank. That
0: if I'm you, not focusing on the central bank. I'm, I don't care about the mechanism. What I care is, if you're going to shove seven trillions out the door, you got to pay for it somehow. And yeah. you're saying somehow theoretically I'm paying for it. The tax, my taxes have not gone up. Some, but not a, not in aggregate, seven trillion dollars of taxes have not gone up. That you, that would be something they used to call pay for. Mm-hmm. This hasn't been paid for. So we're. we're
1: well, again, I don't like it. I'm a libertarian. I want gov- I want our government to be very small. Right. But to focus on deficits versus is to make a distinction without a difference. The government spending is the problem. That the U.S. can borrow, yet that the, the world lines up to borrow from us. And I, we're just going to have to disagree. I reject the idea that the Fed is the source of this financing. Again, if that were true... Uh, you know the ECB, the, the the euro is a is a globally used currency. The yen is a globally used currency. The Swiss franc is a globally used currency. If it's that simple, just to to spend with abandon by telling the central bank to anyone can do that. The reason we hey, have John, debt they is They don't have the a
0: reserve is. currency. We are the reserve currency.
1: Um, they have
0: it. They have different. They have fewer degrees of freedom than we do. Well,
1: more and more the euro is 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 a globally used currency. Uh, certainly the yen is. Um.
0: Okay. Well, I don't, I don't think we're going to agree because um, I just don't see the mechanism through which this, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think we, you and I can agree the Fed may not be necessary, but somehow we're either going to have to spend the $7 trillion and find a way to finance it. You think the world's eager to finance our consumer spending. I don't think that's going to last very long. It may not, in which case... Because you talk about the most productive economy, that money wasn't put to productive use. Of course it wasn't. And about the other half that wasn't going into people's uh, checking accounts, by the way, it, it increased savings, and those savings are beginning to get drawn down now, and I think we're going to pay a price for that. The other half went for climate change subsidies, and uh, you know, I think there's about a trillion dollars of tax subsidies that have been handed out to wealthy investors to finance... Uh, Power transmission lines, for an example, and windmills and solar. It's I not mean, I, I, I don't see all that going out. Uh, it seems like that's a dead weight on the economy. Let me be clear, and I think I have been. Government spending is a horrid tax. Okay. It's,
1: it is the worst tax of all. It's more problematic than an income tax because Jeff Bezos might work at all sorts of levels, of tax rates but what he can't do is prosper without access to capital all entrepreneurs need capital and government spending consumes it all i'm saying is that the government i'm not saying that it expands the economy by definition as i make clear in the book the government spending shrinks the economy of course it does but there's a lot of ability in the richest nation on earth to do a lot of stupid things and i'm merely saying this spending wasn't globalized. Most countries can't spend as we do because they're not as rich of a nation as we are. It doesn't mean that the spending isn't horrific for the economy. Think how much bigger our economy would be or would be if the government weren't consuming so much of the wealth produced here. And so there's, there's a difference, I think, and it's an important difference. I hate the government spending. I'm merely saying if central banks could finance it, they would they would already they'd be doing it not just here but around the world
0: well what i'm saying and i think you make this case in the book and i know steve ford makes it in their book is that countries and, and empires have been using fiat currencies for century after century after century and every time you use a fiat currency and that's what ours is it's not backed by anything except the full faith of the federal government um, it ends badly I mean, the Roman Empire, You know, the many empires in, in China, this is not just a, mm-hmm. a Western phenomena. India, same thing. Almost every uh, ruling class or r- ruler that attempted to finance their spending by creating fiat currency ended badly. And that seems like exactly what we're doing now.
1: Uh, yeah, I would just say that it's not just fiat currency. Governments have been clipping money, even gold-backed currencies, for as long as they've been involved in money. Governments devalue, period. They always have and they always will. It doesn't matter if it's fiat or gold standard. Uh, We had a gold-defined dollar of one twentieth of an ounce in 1933. FDR, just between breakfast and lunch, devalued it to 1 35th. In 1971, President Nixon severed the link altogether. And so fiat or gold, that's what governments do. That's why I think gradually what we're going to get from this is that private money is going to push out government money simply because governments can't be trusted on this. I think a focus on the Fed is to miss the point. Our major devaluations, for one, occurred well before we had a central bank, and our major devaluations in the 20th century occurred against major protest from our central bank. Uh, uh, Eugene Meyer begged FDR not to devalue. When FDR ignored him, he resigned his post as Federal Reserve. He was powerless to stop him, and bought the Washington Post as an organ to criticize this inflationary president. Uh, president. So he
0: was an early uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, he was. He
1: was. He was early on that, and he was horrified <laughs> by what they were doing. Interesting history. Uh, Arthur Burns begged President Nixon to not de-link the dollar from gold. And so my point is, yeah, governments devalue. It's not a central bank thing.
0: Okay, I want to keep pinning this thing down, though. If you devalue, isn't that inflation? Yes. Okay, aren't isn't that what we're doing now?
1: Uh, show me where the dollar is. Is the, is the dollar weaker versus all foreign currencies? Is it weaker versus gold?
0: For some reason, we seem to be on the on on a high wire, and we're still up there. But I don't think it's inevitable that it'll stay there.
1: Uh, of, of course not. And and you. And I don't b- think I think
0: it's because there's no plausible alternative, because most of the other central, you know, Europe and, and Japan. And U.K. have had equally reckless fiscal and monetary policy.
1: Okay, but during George W. Bush's presidency, the dollar went into free fall versus the euro, the yen, the pound, you name it, the Aussie dollar, the Canadian dollar. And my, I'm merely saying that we haven't seen it this time. And, we, and the dollar, in terms of gold, gold quadrupled, the price of oil sextupled under George W. Bush— uh, that, to me, is a devaluation of the currency. It was policy. Um, Biden is, Joe Biden is an empty suit. Uh, that he's not all there is a statement of the obvious. But this would be the first inflation in the history of mankind in which the currency that they say is up against all the foreign currencies and it's up against gold. Um, that's not inflation. Are prices higher? Yes, they are. But to, again, to blame higher, say higher prices cause inflation is like saying wet sidewalks cause rain. Let let's let's well, get the causation I, correct. I'm
0: not saying higher prices cause inflation. I'm just saying there are higher prices, and we've turned we we've deemed we've determined that we're going to call that inflation. So, but why is this a you, distinction without a difference?
1: No, it's a very important distinction What's because the, I've been coming on your show for years, uh, specifically. To join you in dismay about the lockdowns. Right. And so now we're going to just excuse what happened, which eviscerated the cooperation of people around the world, which brought on the I'm lower prices. I'm not pricing. excusing what's okay, happened. Okay. So, so if, if you're not excusing. But I think there excusing, can be more
0: than one bad thing. The lockdowns were a bad of thing. Of course there can were be. All the, uh,
1: Do you agree that generally, though, inflation is a devaluation of the currency? Do you agree that that's what happened in the 1970s? and in this case we haven't seen that. And so I'm merely saying I want to keep the focus on the political class and what it did. They would love us to talk about inflation because that allows them to blame someone else. And I'm not ready to blame someone else.
0: Okay, this is Bill Walton. We're on the Bill Walton show I'm with John Tamney and we're having a uh, a a uh, disagreement about <laughs> about money and what what causes what I'm calling inflation, and John is simply calling higher prices. Um, I'm not sure we totally disagree, but I'm trying to figure out how, where we get out of this. Let's do this, let's change the subject. You've got a title here for your book, How Illiteracy About Currencies and Inflation Sets the Stage for the Crypto Revolution. So mm-hmm. the next chapter for this is uh, crypto?
1: Private. Let's call it private money. Okay. Um, why? Well, for one, if you look throughout history, uh, in the early part of the 20th century, 2,000 car makers were incorporated. Just about every single one of them failed. The end of cars? No, a signal of a maturing market pushing out the bad. Cars are a fact of life. In the early, the late 20th century, the early part of the 21st, internet companies failed on mass. The end of the internet? Fact of life today. It strikes me that crypto and private money is the logical consequence of what you and I have both talked about right here, that governments have always devalued. Whenever they've gotten involved with money, they've always devalued, and in so doing, they've robbed people of the fruits of their labor. It strikes me that out of this wreckage and crypto, we're going to get private money that we trust. And imagine what we can do if money pushes out government money, if money that can If be crypto trusted. money pushes out. Yeah, if, if, if you go back, as I point out in the book, if you go back to the 7th century in China, the fight was, should private industry create money, a stable measure, or a government? And the Confucians were saying, well, of course you should have the private sector because they won't devalue And so think about this: you you weren't a trader; you were a financier, which is the most important work in the world. But presently, there's ten trillion of currency trading on a daily basis. What does Jeff Bezos always say? Your margin is my opportunity. I believe private money sees an opportunity here to take away that margin. Would you rather, at which point, private money that can be trusted will push out dollars and... Well, how much
0: and How much currency trading was engaged in before the, we got off the gold standard?
1: There weren't currency markets.
0: None. That uh, says
1: everything. It says everything. And what does it also say? It verifies the and basic... Now we've
0: gone off gold. We're, we're, we're unmoored from anything, and yeah. you've got massive currency trading, and it's a casino. Mm-hmm. And what does that tell us? It tells
1: us it verifies what... Markets were saying for millennia that gold isn't used to define money because it's shiny or because we're religious about it. It just is so stable. And so market actors have been fighting for the stability of gold for years, and the only way to get it is the constant hedging of of money in the currency markets. That's a, lot, that's a big piece of business. It's not as lucrative as investment banking because trading profits are ephemeral. Well, won't private industry come along and say, we're going to wipe out that aspect of Wall Street's profits? And I think they're going to. And I think the crypto boom and carnage and all this is the first step of them doing that.
0: So the carnage is good news because out of it is going to emerge something that works? Yeah. Yeah, I buy that. So John, normally you and I are in violent agreement. I, your, your, the title of your book though is Money Confusion. And this is not my, uh, you know, I'm not, this is, I'm not steeped in this world, but it just strikes me that I'm still confused about money. So what are we <laughs> no, gonna, you're learn? Not. what are we gonna learn about? Well, I'm not. You've but, lived but let, it. Let me make a distinction that I think we maybe should have made at the outset. that. There's the real economy, which is the economy I've mostly worked in, in private mm. equity. Where you're looking at a business that's got a product or a service and you're trying to figure out how to finance or buy it or build it or something like that in the real economy i didn't really worry about the exchange rate or quote inflation or higher prices all i cared about is that we could charge higher prices uh, you know because we were selling something everybody wanted mm-hmm. which is the real economy that i think you and i both think we ought to be focused on and we've got the money economy mm-hmm. and I think we're in agreement that if the less we can take the money confusion out of the whole economic equation and make it more about the real economy and people developing, making things more productive, developing goods and services people want, increasing real wages, um, increasing prosperity. That's that's where we want to be. And so the other way I would think about what you're saying is we've got to take money out, and by doing that, we. Um, end up ending up with crypto because governments have failed in their job of maintaining stable currency Mm -hmm. is that a fair uh, yeah
1: capitalism requires um capitalism requires trusted money and as i point out in the book if you go to pyongyang today if you go to uh, caracas if you go to tehran you better have dollars if you want to get things And are those dollars there because the Fed put them there and put money supply in? No. Money always, always, always finds goods and services to move. It's, It's as though it's an invisible hand. Where there are goods and services, money mirrors it. And why is that true? Well, you've lived it were you competing with others to buy certain companies were you competing to buy where you were courting sometimes the board and the heads of those companies we've got a better plan for you money finds the good ideas it doesn't need, you don't need government to do it people like you are always going to find the opportunity and get it there
0: well if there's not competition you have got to wonder why you want to invest in it that too that too or you maybe know, I ran a company we were based in DC and we'd have these, these private equity quote opportunities show up on our doorstep, and they'd be, say, from Texas. Mm-hmm. And there's trillions of dollars in Texas of investor money. It's a wash in money that wants to put it to work to, to make a profit. And these deals would show up from Texas, and I, and nobody else was interested. <laughs> and I'd say, well, if it made it out of Texas, and it's on our doorstep, um, what do we see that, that everybody in Texas missed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It would make you wonder, <laughs> but it's a reminder that that people when like we did you... it was to our regret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a reminder that people like you are constantly moving resources to their highest use. Uh, as I point out in the book, uh, the the, the, men, the two foremost financiers of China's growth in the twentieth century were two Jewish men of Iraqi descent who didn't speak a word of Chinese.
0: Uh, that was Sassoon and... Sassoon uh, and Kaduri. Yeah, great name.
1: And so they f- money finds the productive. If you fast forward to the 21st century, China's increasingly prominent as a technology center. And what's fascinating about this is that it's illegal for Americans to own Chinese companies that have a website. Yet who has financed China's technological boom? Americans, private equity, venture capitalists. They've largely financed it. They finance it in ways that you would know much better than I, but through offshore vehicles. Money always finds the productive. And so we live in this world in which we say to this day, well, Milton Friedman said the Fed tightened (coughs) money in the 1930s and caused a Great Depression. Oh, come on.
0: Well, wait. Resources. you've just... Disagreed with Milton Friedman. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. And and, and well, I, I don't feel so badly then. I'm no, like. <laughs> but but
1: see, but see, yeah, I know people say, "Well, what, who is this guy?" But no, but seriously, you've lived in a okay, world. So Milton Friedman was wrong too. Yes, he was. Okay. Think about the, the, the idea. The, the idea that the Fed could put a stop sign on 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 resources reaching their highest use. The Chinese quite literally make it illegal for Americans to own companies there yet americans broadly finance china's ec- economic boom certainly in the technology space we talk about sports a lot it's always been illegal for college athletes to get money but they've always gotten money they've always driven fancy cars we talk about politics first and foremost mccain feingold different attempts to limit capital flows to politicians limits of 2700 dollars. Yet somehow these elections invariably cost billions and billions of dollars. Money always finds what it needs to find. And to pretend that a central bank in the U.S. could keep credit out of the United States insults reason.
0: That was Milton Friedman's argument. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's the last word. You get it. (laughs) Well, this this has been a little more lively than usual because I honestly don't understand, John, how you can think that we could find $7 trillion. And my wife is working one of the cameras here. Sarah, did we lend the Fed that or the Treasury that money to pay for it? No. And I just missed it? No. John C. <laughs> <laughs> Let me consult with my terriers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, we, we need to dig into this because I, what you're saying is really interesting. And if it's true, then it, it should cause everybody to rethink everything.
1: Well, let's hope. Okay. um it's a dangerous world when everyone agrees
0: and okay well here's the plug the money confusion by john tamney how illiteracy about currencies and inflation is going to set the stage or going to set the stage for the crypto revolution very interesting thesis and we shouldn't just be reading things that we agree with everything that's in it and i think what john's done is created a i think an interesting place um to start a good debate
1: mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That's John. right.
1: Yes. Okay, yeah.
0: well, we're we're all done for today. Uh this has been the Bill Walton show and thanks for joining and as usual, you can find us on the all the major podcast and uh, other platforms, YouTube, Rumble, um, etc. and also the show airs on Monday night on CPAC Now and uh, also hope you'll catch me on uh on Frank Gaffney's show on Mondays uh where I'm uh arguing that maybe we shouldn't spend any more time financing China, John. (laughs) Anyway, great fun. Glad to have you here. So thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over a hundred episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.